Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Hey guys, welcome to episode 91 of Intuitive Bites. Today I'm chatting with Sam Previtt, who you may know from Instagram as find.food.freedom, and we are answering the question, can you practice intuitive eating if you have a medical condition? The short answer is a resounding heck yes, absolutely you can, but we are going to dive a lot deeper and give specific client examples of how intuitive eating can transform your management of whatever condition you're dealing with. So uh, you're definitely going to want to listen to this if you've ever had that concern of like, is intuitive eating just like throwing my health out the window? Absolutely not. It is quite the opposite. Um, But listen to this episode for more details. Before I dive into the rest of this episode, um, I just wanted to let you guys know that now is a really good time to get on on my one-on-one coaching program. I'm actually going to be opening doors for enrollment in December, which is going to be coming along with a price increase. So if you are kind of in the boat where you're like, I am sick of trying to do this intuitive eating thing on my own. I really want someone to be holding my hand through this journey so I can know that I'm like heading in a direction that's actually going to lead to that that freedom and relief and peacefulness around food that I'm seeking. Um, this is your sign to head over to my Instagram, click the link in my bio, and you'll find the, the uh, coaching application. It only takes a few minutes. It's probably like five or six questions. Um, you can kind of put as much detail or as little detail in there as you want. Um, obviously, the more the better. I want to know exactly what's going on with you. And then I'll I'll reach out to you and we'll kind of decide together if it makes sense to set up a call and go from there. All right, guys. Well, I'm looking forward to some applications coming through and hopefully connecting with some of you. Um, but let's go ahead and listen into my conversation with Sam. All right, Sam, we are good to go here. I would love to start with you just giving an intro of yourself and what you do. Yes. So um, I'm a registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, and certified personal trainer. And I am the owner of Fine Food Freedom, which is a virtual private practice made up of a team of registered dietitians and certified intuitive eating counselors. And our entire goal is to help people make peace with food, body and movements. Uh, I also co-host the What the Actual Fork podcast and host the Find Food Freedom podcast and just find myself on all corners of the internet between Instagram and TikTok and all of the things. Um, so that's a little little background of, of my life there. Yes. Can you share, I, I'm always curious to hear this, just like how you got into this work. What's like the, in a nutshell version. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think my story is similar to a lot of dietitians where we, the majority of us start out with either eating disorder or disordered eating and kind of go in the field to find that magic answer of, you know, weight loss and the perfect body and all of those things. So definitely started out in a very disordered realm. Um, 
super disordered through college years, post-college years. And I was definitely thinking about leaving the field just because it was very unfulfilling, huge imposter syndrome of like, I don't have my shit together. So how can I teach other people to do this? Uh, And then I was just fortunate enough that one of my good friends and colleagues from my internship is Haley Goodrich. Um, And I saw her starting to post about intuitive eating. And I was like, I called her, I was like, what is this intuitive eating thing? Like, this sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And then read the book and I was like, oh, this is the magic answer that I've been searching for. Mm -hmm. Now at the time I had already been in private practice. The majority of our practice was like heavy air quotes, like weight management. So once I kind of really learned about intuitive eating, I couldn't unlearn it. And I was like, this is what I have to do. Like, Mm -hmm. this is the work I have to be doing. So kind of did a 180, 360, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) And just like blew up the practice and said like, this, this has got to change. And, um, then find food freedom was born and we were in person here in Jacksonville for a little bit, but then COVID came, we sold our building in person and TikTok happened and then we exploded globally. So now we work with people in Egypt and New Zealand and Spain and it's just, it's been a whirlwind, but to say the least, just so grateful to be able to do this work and to work out of an intuitive eating paradigm where there's no shame, there's no guilt, there's no judgment. And I don't feel like that authoritative food police dietitian anymore. I just feel like a friend and someone who can walk alongside my clients and support them. Oh, I love that. So much of like what you shared, I'm like, is this me talking? Like, I really, really resonate with a lot of that. Um, Also, I just think it's so cool how you like, it sounded like you yeah, you were in private practice like before this and then you like had to, I mean, that's a big shift to have to make when you have other people working for you. So that's kind of wild. Yeah, it was scary, but it was, it was either, you know, if I didn't do it, like it was just, I couldn't like live. You just felt like you couldn't, I felt like trapped. It was, and you knew what you had to do. I knew what I had to do. So it took a lot of work. It took a lot of unlearning and relearning, but it was worth every tear and freak out and breakdown. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, I mean, yeah, you've, you've built something really cool. So that's awesome. Uh, what I want to chat with you more about today is a question that I get all the time. And I originally found it on your page. So I know you get it all the time. And basically it's like, okay, I like this idea of intuitive eating. It sounds great. Like I don't want to do dieting anymore, but you know, can I practice intuitive eating if I'm managing a chronic condition? And I think even more generally too, a lot of people are like, can I practice intuitive eating and like take care of my long-term health? Um, so I would love to just like throw, throw it over to you and like ask your initial thoughts on this question. Yes. It's such a good question. And I think it makes sense because I think that it comes from, if we look at people that ask it on social media, usually once we break it down further, I find that they don't really understand what intuitive eating is because there's that misconception that intuitive eating is just like eat whatever the fuck you want and eat all the foods all the time when we know that's not really it. So in that sense, when people think that's what intuitive eating is, then they think it's air quotes unhealthy. But as you and I know, when you're becoming an intuitive eater and switching over into this paradigm, we're really centering health, both physically 
and mentally and emotionally. So when it comes to health in general, yes, of course we can improve health because we're looking at all of these behavioral changes, all of these individual behaviors that are uncoupled from changing the size of your body. So for example, hydration, stress management, um, sleep patterns, movement that we enjoy, of course, the foods that we're putting in our body and getting a variety of foods, those things are all uncoupled from changing our body, but we know they have drastic impacts on our health. Now, although behavior change is great and individual behaviors, you know, can be a great thing to work on to improve health, we can't get there and we can't go there until we remove the guilt and shame. And that's where that third intuitive eating principle of make peace with food comes in. So, but that is the very misunderstood one on social media that when people hear unconditional permission to eat, they think eating all the foods all the time when really it's like, no, we're giving you permission, but it's not always going to be that way because once we have availability and accessibility and we're allowed to have all foods, then we'll start to eat that variety. So removing the guilt and shame is a huge part of it before we can really get there. I remember when going through the process of becoming a certified intuitive eating counselor, that was one of the things Evelyn Triboli hit home was all of the principles are important. They're all, you know, great. You can start with any of them except the 10th principle you cannot get to until you cover the other nine. And the 10th principle is gentle nutrition. So it makes sense, right? If we've had 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of dieting, if we jump right into gentle nutrition and nutrient density and variety of foods, that just feels icky if we still have guilt and shame tied to food. So I'm kind of going on a, in a huge circle here, (laughs) but I think that is what I want to hit home. And then from a specific medical disease or condition, I think people forget that we're registered dietitians with clinical experience. A lot of us have experience in hospitals working with chronic or, you know, acute conditions. And so of course, if there is a medical disease or condition, you know, such as diabetes or hypothyroidism or, you know, heart disease, we're not going to disregard that. (laughs) That is absolutely a piece of the puzzle that we will talk about but it doesn't matter what chronic condition you have, guilt or shame with food should not be a part of that. And so it's still important to center removing the guilt and shame with food. So then when it comes to managing the chronic condition and making individual behaviors or decisions around our behaviors, we can do that from a place of intention of wanting to do it, not having to do it, which is a very different intention. Totally. And like usually backfires when it's coming from that, like I should, I have to. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like one thing, yeah, I guess you kind of mentioned this at the beginning, but I feel like I know through, through my experience and what I've seen that intuitive eating and, and healing your relationship to food and your body, like really allows you to position yourself to, yeah, to position yourself in a way that, that you can prioritize health and and health behaviors that are going to be sustainable and feel good for you. Right. It's coming from that place of like how it feels for you. But anyway, I guess my, my thought to have you jump off of here is like, in what ways have you seen 
that when somebody transitions to this like mindset of intuitive eating, like they're able to better support their health. Like what, like, I guess let's give like some specific examples. Yeah. I think the first one that comes up for me is just like, like a client kind of case study example was this gentleman who came in and had an A1C of like 9.3 or something. So for those listening, that's our three month average of our blood sugars. So considered to have diabetes type two. And he came into that first consult thinking I was going to be an authoritative dietitian and, you know, told me everything he ate and, you know, said, I already know what you're going to tell me to do. And then you're going to tell me I can't eat carbs and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm not like that. That's not what we're going to do. And so I remember him telling me like his favorite meal was burger and fries. And he was like, I know you're going to take that away from me. And I was like, no, I actually really want you to eat the burger and fries. And he was like, uh-huh. what? Like, what are, who are you? Am I, what are you saying? Um, but through working with him, you know, it's so common. I would say diabetes is one I see often that there's a lot of guilt and shame with that diagnosis. And a lot of times, unfortunately, not all, but a lot of medical professionals will tell people diabetes, eliminate carbs, you know, drastically restrict carbs, cut out sugar. And we know that has literally the opposite effect on the patient where they will binge on that. They'll try to restrict it as long as humanly possible. And then it ends up being a binge. So that's exactly what was going on with this gentleman. He had years and years of that restriction binging pattern around carbs, trying to do the best he could. There was a lot of shame and guilt around that relationship with carbs So we really worked on mending that relationship with carbs, allowing all foods to fit. And as we did that, I'll never forget, you know, you know, when those light bulbs go off, when he came into the (laughs) meeting and he was like, I had half of my burger and a few fries. And I like wanted a side of vegetables with it. He was like, what are you doing to me? (laughs) I was like, I'm doing nothing. This is all you, but You know, once they have that ability to realize that all foods are allowed, there's not that urgency to consume a lot of it because it's not going to be taken away from them. And they can really listen to what their body wants, a variety of foods. So long story short, going through all of those principles, really helping him become an intuitive eater by the end of that, then we definitely went through, you know, more carb specific things from a cellular level with gentle nutrition once once that guilt and shame was removed. And by that point we had got his A1C down to like a 6.0, 6.1. So you're not only is he mentally healthier, but physically his blood, you know, blood sugar was in this range where it was really pretty normalized. And so that is like a specific example of, you know, someone who would think like, I'm not allowed to eat carbs, but once they had that permission we could actually improve their health physically and mentally. Oh, that's amazing. I think that's really important for people to hear because I think there's this idea when people are coming to intuitive eating and they're like, again, like, it's like, can I even do this? Is this going to worsen my health? Um, So I think that's, that's really helpful to hear. Um, Okay. So another, well, actually something I wanted to jump off of, you keep talking about like, you know, kind of getting rid of this guilt and shame. And I love that you kind of like focus on this as, you know, a main point of, of healing your relationship to food. So I guess like for somebody listening, that's like, yeah, I definitely have a lot of guilt and shame around eating carbs or whatever else. What are some 
like actionable things that I know this is like a very big ask, but like actionable mm-hmm. things somebody can do to get to a more peaceful place and not have so much guilt and shame with food. Yeah. I think it's a great question. And it's like, like you said, there's so many different ways we could go about this. It totally depends on the person, but I think generally speaking, starting with building the awareness of why we have guilt and shame with food is important before we even try to change it. Because if we don't have awareness, then we can't really change it. Mm -hmm. So one thing being looking at, okay, where did our thoughts and beliefs around food come from. So maybe it's doing a brain dump, like on a piece of paper where it's like, write down every food rule that you've ever followed, right. Or every diet that you've ever followed or every rule within the diet that you followed, write down every comment that you can think of that comes up for you that people said to you about your food, like policing your food. If people said comments about what you're eating or how much you're eating, let's write that down. Um, Let's see that on paper in front of us and then say, okay, when we have those thoughts about food, that is not us, right? We were not born into this world feeling this way about food that's coming from somewhere. And usually it's internalized diet trauma, whether it's, you know, family members, commercials, media, diet rules, et cetera. So really recognizing that first and then slowly starting to change that because of course I wish it were as easy as just snapping our fingers and like, okay, now we're not going to believe any of that. (laughs) Unsubscribe. Yeah. Right. So (laughs) it's slowly changing it. It's, you know, recognizing our verbiage around food has a huge impact on how we view it. So if we're using food or words like good or bad around food, changing that to maybe nutrient dense versus less nutrient dense or taking words out of our vocabulary, like cheat meals, right. Um, or just like bad and, uh, what is it or clean eating, right? Like just some of these diet terms, And looking at food as nourishment and fuel and enjoyment and pleasure. And even if we don't believe it, as we start to switch that verbiage, the more we do it, the more it's going to impact our relationship with that food. So those would probably be like the first couple of things that come up for me is just like awareness and verbiage are really great places to start. I love that. Yeah. I love that like brain dump activity. And I feel like, yeah, it, it ends up being this kind of like not endless cycle, but like, it takes a long time to realize like all of the different like food rules and just like judgments that you've had. And like, you'll find them as you continue throughout this journey. It's not like, okay, they're all on paper and like, they're there, but like, it's so great to like get it out on paper and out of just like swirling around in your head. And that's how you're going to be able to connect to it in the moment when it's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, so I love that. Okay. So one other example, these are, yeah, a a question that has come to me related to this. Basically somebody said, okay, I've been told to reduce salt for my blood pressure. How do I reduce salt with intuitive eating? Any thoughts on this? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think it's important to understand more about the person. Like what are your patterns with blood pressure? Was it just like one reading? Was it multiple readings that were going up because blood pressure can be so affected by stress as well. So I think, you know, a lot of times 
doctors or medical professionals in general will just go right to food, but it's like, okay, what is our stress level? Like that's, that's where I like to really tap in with clients there. Of course, if, a, if this is a doctor recommendation and this is really important to the client, we can definitely take inventory of what is our sodium intake like, but I think it comes back to any time we're doing this with any food or ingredient, it doesn't have to come from this place or guilt of guilt and shame. Can we just be curious about, okay, what are the sources of sodium and how do we just, just genuinely look at it and observe it from like a neutral observer standpoint, because mm -hmm. let's say we are getting, I don't know, 5,000 milligrams of sodium, just saying like, okay, that's a neutral observation. I'm getting 5,000 milligrams of sodium. And if there are areas that we can make some simple swaps, we can do that in a way that's going to honor our health, but it's super important to ensure that we are not taking away from satisfaction of food or enjoyment of food, because if we aren't satisfied, if we're not enjoying what we're doing, then we won't continue to do it. So yes. that's where it's a really great question because I think people think that restrictions, like when we say like no restriction, uh -huh. if some things need to be altered for medical diseases and conditions, that's coming from an intention of bettering your health. If that's a goal of yours, because health isn't yeah. a moral obligation, but it's, it's not the intention of I'm not allowed to eat salt. Salt is bad. If I eat salt, I'm a bad person. Those are two like completely different intentions. So just yeah. making sure that if we're going to do that, that the intention is pure and that it's not going to basically fuck up our mental health in the process. Yes. Oh, I love that. Like you touched on so many things that I was like thinking them and you were saying that like not compromising satisfaction, right? I feel like so often when we're in that fearful place and that like should place and like, I'd be bad if I don't follow this place, we're going to jump to like the extreme and like cut out things that like we are like absolutely love, right? The other thing I think of with like, with salt, but just like in general is like, are you trying to shift something that like, isn't going to be doable given your circumstances, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to like prepare every meal from scratch. It's like, do you want to do that? Would be that be satisfying? Do you have the space and time for that? Or would that end up like, even if you quote unquote could do it, would it like compromise your ability to get the rest that you need or whatever else? Right. So like mm -hmm. looking at all those different pieces. Um, but I also like the first thing you said too, is just like, we don't necessarily need to jump to, to food here. There are so mm -hmm. many factors when it comes to managing blood pressure or blood sugar or any of these other, a lot of these other things that we're talking about. Um, so yeah, I think that's really helpful. Like looking at the bigger picture. Another thing that I think of with many, like managing many chronic conditions is like, what can be added? And even in the case of salt, right? Like there's, we can look at it from the perspective of like, what can I add in? that will be, maybe it's like frozen vegetables, right? Like maybe we're doing canned vegetables or something like that. We can add mm -hmm. in frozen and looking at it from that perspective of not like, okay, less canned stuff. It's like, no, like, let's just add in more of this frozen stuff or whatever else it might be. And that perspective I think can be really healing when you have that like history of restriction. Yes which most people with chronic conditions do have that history. And it's funny. I feel like with blood pressure, 
so many people that I've chatted with, like, I'll be like, what do you do for stress management? And they're like, what's that? <laughs> right. You're like, what do you do just for you? Like, and they're like, nothing ever. Or they're like, I don't know. And it's like, sometimes those things it's like, okay, let's like start there. Like to just try to get like a deep breath once yes. a day, you know, or just something so simple. Yes. I, I love that. That's amazing. Um, so Sam, as we wrap up here, I'd like to kind of wrap up sessions with like, just having you speak to the person who asked that initial question, right? So the person who's here, that's like, can I really do intuitive eating and like manage my diabetes or whatever else? Like what words of wisdom or advice do you have for that person where they are at right now? It's a great, great question. And I think the answer is yes. Can you do it? Absolutely. Yes. But only you hold the answer to like, if you're ready for it. And I think that's something that oftentimes on social media, people look at intuitive eating dietitians and they're like, convince me not to diet. <laughs> like, that's not our job. <laughs> like, um, I can, we can obviously give you, you know, the research on how dieting is harmful for health physically and mentally, but I think only like each individual person can determine if they're ready for this journey. And I know that it can be frustrating to look back at how many years have been spent in diet culture or, you know, been spent dieting, but those years are lived experience and validation that dieting doesn't work. And so just simply asking yourself, like how many years have I been on and off diets, you know, restricting and binging and how has that served me thus far? Has that gotten me where I've wanted to be? Has it gotten me what it's promised me? Has it got, you know, has it cured my medical disease and condition? And if the answers are no, just get curious about that and think about, okay, this hasn't been working. Is there something else I can do? And, and I think that's where our clients come into play, right? We work with people that get to that place of saying, I can't do this shit anymore, but I have yep. no idea what to do because I've been doing this for 20 years. So it's never too late to start intuitive eating. We have clients from in their teens to we've had a client that was 79 years old. And the one thing that is absolutely consistent across the board is that no matter what age they are after they really start to dig into this journey, and I'm sure you can attest to this clients say, I wish I did this sooner. Like yeah. I wish that I started this journey sooner, no matter what age they are. And I think that just speaks volumes to how amazing intuitive eating is mm -hmm. and how much, you know, we know the research that it impacts physical, mental, emotional health. So I think my, to wrap that whole thing up, it would be just get curious about what you've been doing in the past. How has it worked for you? And if it hasn't worked, what, what's the next step? I love that. Thank you so much. Can you please share where people can find you? What resources you have? Anything you have coming up? Yes. So we can, you can definitely find us on social media at Instagram. We are find.food.freedom. So just periods between the words on TikTok, we're just find food freedom, no dots. Um, and I would say the easiest place to go to start would be findfoodfreedomtraining.com. That's a great place that we have a lot of introductory trainings and just a lot of resources for people that are newer to get started. Amazing. Thank you again so much. You're welcome.
All right, guys, that is a wrap on episode 91. Definitely go find Sam and her practice on Instagram at find.food.freedom or on TikTok as findfoodfreedom. And if you're interested in my offer for one-on-one coaching, again, doors are going to officially open in December. So right now it's kind of like behind, you know, in the back door here. Um, But the rates will increase in December. So now is the time to get in. Go over to the link on my Instagram at the intuitive underscore RD and fill out the quick application and I will reach out to you within a day or two and we will chat more. Uh, Also, I haven't asked for this in a little while, but if you've been listening to this podcast and enjoying it and it is helping you on your journey to finding food freedom, please go ahead and leave a rating or review on iTunes. It makes a big difference in getting this out to more people um, and just overall the success of the podcast. So I would highly appreciate that. Um, You know, you really can just go click on the stars or you could take the minute or two longer to, to actually write the review. But either one would be super appreciated. All right, guys. Well, if you're celebrating the holiday next week and listening to this live, I hope you have a great one. Um, If not, I hope you just have a great week and I will talk to you guys really soon.